Hey, today we wrap up this series, Be One, Make One. Jesus gave us this command as he, uh, right before he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of God, uh, just after he was crucified and he arose on, on that first Easter resurrection Sunday, Jesus said, go and make disciples in Matthew chapter 28. And the disciples that originally heard that, they had to wonder, what gives us this authority to go throughout the entire world? It's the same reason that we have authority to do that as well. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, we see Jesus giving us all authority that comes from him, from the Father. And then he gives us a a mission field to go to all nations, to, to teach them all things that he's commanded us, and that he'll be with us always. Guys, we have been set apart by Jesus himself to be his ambassadors to the entire world. Two weeks ago, Ben shared with us some great advice how to begin to share the good news. He told us to be ready to listen to other people's stories, to hear where they're hurting, to hear where their doubts, where they have fears, and then relate to that and share your story and how God has worked in your life. But there has to come a point where we take that step of faith and we reveal God's story. And here's God's story, if you've never heard this, that God loved you enough that he sent his son, his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life and then to be crucified for our sins, for your sins. And then three days later, he arose, uh, the victor over both sin and death, and he still lives. We call that sharing our faith. And last week, as we wrap this up, I want to remind you one more thing. We wrestled with this concept, what is faith? Because sometimes we think faith is just believing, just knowing in your mind. Maybe you say, well, I know in my heart. Faith, there comes a point in faith where faith is just not believing or knowing. It is trusting that God will save us, that he can save us through Jesus. And we share our faith in that. At some point with the step of faith, we realize that we must take action. And and last week we we looked at this image from uh, Indiana Jones. And he's standing on that cliff and and there's this uh, great... uh, uh, cavity in front of him and he's got to believe he knows it's possible but he's still got to take that step of faith I wonder what keeps you from taking the step of faith that Brianna did this morning some of you have never been immersed I'm not specifically thinking of anyone but some of you I know have never taken that step and said I'm ready to commit my life to Jesus to be made new in him some of you have never uh, confessed him with your mouth many of us have never taken the step of faith to share it with someone else What keeps us from sharing our faith? We see the disciples had a trouble with this. What holds us back? The disciples were held back often by fear. It affects many of us, just like it did the early disciples. Uh, Think about their challenge. Jesus had invested in them for three years. He had taught them about the kingdom of God. He taught them about forgiveness. And he taught them about uh, uh, the way the kingdom of God is based on love and grace. And he said, well, now remember... The main purpose of what we're doing is here, this one day I'm going to die. And three days later, I'll arise from the dead. And the disciples had a hard time believing this. Uh, they're not like many of us where they, heard, they didn't hear this their entire life. Uh, but Jesus would say, hey, I'm going to die. And they were like, no, no, you're going to be king. You're going to be on the throne. We're going to set up a kingdom on earth. And Jesus would say, no, really, guys, you got to understand this. I'm going to die so that your sins will be forgiven. I'm going to take your sins on and be crucified I came to seek and save the lost. I'm going to die so the world might be able to be saved. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus lived an absolutely perfect life. 
Some people will, will say, uh, especially high, uh, high people of, of, of thought, they'll say, well, while the word of God says Jesus was perfect, there's no way a human could have lived in this world and been perfect. But that's what Jesus did. He was fully God and fully human, and he was and is perfect. And yet, they arrested him. And they put a crown of thorns on his head. And they nailed him to a cross. And he went through more suffering than I could ever explain to you. And three days later, it is true, he, the tomb was empty and he was alive. And he had overcome both sin and death. And the disciples were, were ready to tell everyone, right? No. In fear, they were frozen. We, we would think, hey, they were ready to go through Jerusalem and say, hey, Jesus did exactly what he said. Can you believe it? It's so exciting. And yet we see in scripture, look with me to John chapter 20. That Sunday evening, what Sunday evening was this? This was Resurrection Sunday. This is what we know as Easter. It was evening time. They had heard a report that the tomb was empty. Many of them had, had even had firsthand testimony. And yet, look what it says. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid. Of what? It says the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. You talk about a surprise. There's an exclamation point here in the, in the English translation. All of a sudden, Jesus was there. They, they were amazed. And he says, peace be with you. He knew they were afraid. I mean, the door is locked. What, what I love about the story that, that I just remembered uh, this morning again, all of a sudden, Jesus doesn't pass through the door. He's just there. Talk about a surprise. But he says, peace be with you. He told them he was coming back. So why are they hiding? Because they're afraid of these leaders, these people in control. The same people that really were able to put in motion Jesus being crucified, they would have known that they had the power to make their lives miserable as well. So they were full of fear. We could spend most of the morning picking apart why the disciples, disciples were wimps. But it doesn't do us any good. We, we, could, we could spend uh, hours pointing out all the things that they kind of stepped out without any faith and they, they just were frozen with fear. But I wonder if we're even very much different than them. Remember the first week we shared this statistic that's very troubling to me that only 4% of people who claim to follow Christ ever lead someone else to Christ. Only 4% of people who are claiming a faith in Jesus ever share their faith. That means 96% of so-called Christians fail to follow Christ's greatest command to be one and make one. To go and to make disciples. Why? I think because of fear. Much like those early disciples. We're afraid. We're not afraid of the Jewish leaders anymore. But, but here's some of the fears that, that really I, I see all around me that sometimes I struggle with. We fear that we won't know what to say. Happens to me most Sunday mornings. I don't, I don't have anything to say. What if they ask this question? What, how I respond? Sometimes we fear this. This is the one that really irks me right now. It's new to our culture. I think it's growing. We fear that we'll offend someone. Well, what if I make them feel uncomfortable? What, what heaven forbid, if I, you, you, you know what is offensive? If you know someone uh, that's close to you that they don't know Jesus and you don't say anything, that's offensive. We fear that we'll look silly. We fear that we'll be rejected. The root of almost every excuse to not share our faith has some connection to being afraid. And Satan loves it. 
One thing I know about Satan, he, he wants to shock us. He wants to scare us. Now, there's sometimes he'll deceive us, but if there is a time where he can overwhelm us with fear and paralyze us, he'll do that. And that's one thing that I'm very concerned about, the culture that we're coming out of, of COVID. The church has been paralyzed because of uncertainty, and I would suggest you fear. Remember a couple weeks ago, I shared with you this, and you may still not be tracked with me. I still struggle with this statement, but I believe it. Uh, at the beginning of the COVID crisis, a lot of churches, including us, we were really concerned the church wouldn't go to church, that the people wouldn't go to church. My bigger concern is not that people won't go to church, is that the church will stop going anywhere for the sake of Jesus. Because we're afraid of this and we're afraid of that and we're afraid of what people will think and we're afraid we might offend someone. Guys, if we're going to be bold for him, we will go and make disciples wherever we go. I get it, though. It can be intimidating to talk to others, to share your faith. It's intimidating. As even as I went into Bible college, I was going into my sophomore year, and it was something that really kind of um, made me frozen sometimes. Well, I don't know what to say. But then things changed my sophomore year at Lincoln Christian College. That's what they called it back when I went to school. Now it's the university. But I had a breakthrough my sophomore year. It was a big deal. I wasn't sure if I wanted to try it at first, and then I did, and it changed everything. It was amazing. It was the first time I took dope. Not any type of drug, but DOPE stands for Dynamics of Personal Evangelism. Okay, it was a class. I took DOPE, and it was, it was exciting. It was, it was fun. They gave us tools to, to really dive into personal evangelism. The class was all about sharing your faith with someone that you knew. It wasn't this cold call evangelism. It, it was all about having a relationship, uh, listening to a story, sharing your story, and then sharing God's story. But I remember one day in class was kind of cheesy. We had to, this group exercise where we had to pretend we all had friends. That was a stretch for some of us. We all had to have this friend, and, and this friend was a, a non-believer, and you just were getting to know them. And the whole class watched you have this conversation with this new friend, and they critiqued you while your professor graded you. And I was afraid just of the class, let alone the person already knew Jesus, so I know I really couldn't mess that up. But I was afraid I would do something wrong get a bad grade. And then I realized if I didn't try, I would fail. So I did it. I think I got an A. But what it struck me today and way back then, so many of us, we, we're not failing a test. We fail our friends with the message of eternity and the hope of Jesus because we never take that step to share with them. We most certainly fail many people day in and day out because we're frozen in fear. I wonder who you failed day in and day out because you're like, I don't know what to say. I don't want to offend them. What if I say something wrong? Here's, there has to be a turning point in our lives as followers of Jesus where we listen to them. Uh, we share our faith and we share God's story, the good news of Jesus. There has to be a turning point. We see it for the disciples. Look with me to John chapter 20, starting with verse 19. It's that same night, that Sunday night. Jesus had risen on Resurrection Sunday. Uh, they had heard testimony, and yet they've locked the door, and they're hiding in fear. Look what it says. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And he spoke. He showed them the wounds of his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. He realized they got a big anxiety, fear problem. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. He says, I want you to go. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This last sentence here, then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
is something I've never heard preached on. In fact, I don't know if I've even heard anybody teach in college. This is something we're going to wrestle with here in a moment. He knows that they're struggling with fear. He, he knows that uh, they've got to go out with bold faith. And so the pivotal moment here is he says, receive the Holy Spirit. But as he does it, he breathed on them. Here, here's what I get from this. He is close enough to them that they can hear him breathing. I believe he's close enough to them in this upper room. It's, they're packed in. Many of them can feel him breathing. And he literally breathed on them. And he says, receive the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Disciples were in this full-on fear, and yet he knows the greatest cure for fear is the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the dilemma. We know uh, by the, the full gospel, the full, uh, the full story of the church being born, that disciples fully received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. So what's going on here? I believe he is giving them some insight of what is coming that will really give them boldness. In fact, he tells them, hey, by the way, don't leave here until you receive the Holy Spirit fully. And so they stay there until the Holy Spirit comes on them. But he's telling them, you can really be bold and I'm going to breathe on you. And God is going to pour out life through the Holy Spirit. Look what it says in Acts chapter 4 verse 5. How they can speak boldly through the Holy Spirit. It says, on the next day... The rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem. So this is, this is later on. They, they've received the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 with Ananias and the priest Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were in the high priestly family. And when they had sat in the midst, they inquired, by, the, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to him, rulers and people and elders... So the Holy Spirit had come on them fully in Acts chapter 2, and, and Peter's going to let them know that he is speaking boldly through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, life come from, came from God when he breathed into people, uh, Adam and Eve, in, in the garden. And now Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit's going to bring a new spiritual life to you. And Peter is acknowledging it, and he says, receive the Spirit. Some of you need to be reminded today to receive the Spirit. Sometimes that can be uncomfortable. If you're watching online, you've never been with us before, you're like, I don't know what this is talking about. There is something supernatural that happens when you become a disciple. The Bible promises when you're baptized, your sins will be forgiven and you will receive the Holy Spirit. But we've got to open our lives up to him. And in that, he will let us speak boldly like Peter does here. Jesus tells us in Matthew 10, do not worry about what you'll say or how you'll say it. At the time, you'll be given what to say for it will... It will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Some of you, as you're in that moment of faith and you're thinking about telling your friends, you've got to trust the Holy Spirit will give you words and confidence to be bold for him. And don't be frozen with fear. We can also speak boldly, not only by the Holy Spirit being in our lives, but we need to speak boldly about what we strongly believe about Jesus. Look at verse 9 of that same chapter. Peter just said, hey, I'm going to speak on behalf of the Holy Spirit here. Look at what it says in verse 9. They're being judged because they healed a man. He says, if, you are, if we are being examined today concerning the good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, 
which has become the cornerstone. Peter makes it clear, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the reason they're there is for Jesus. It's Jesus who's made this all possible. One of the things that I love to see in our community, and some of you have it on today as our Hope Changed Everything shirt, we purposefully uh, left off our church name from that in the name of Jesus because when people want to know about hope, we want you to share with them the hope is found in Jesus. It's not just a hope, it's Jesus Christ's hope that changes everything. Peter was bold to say that. Uh, there, there are opportunities coming to you to, to speak about Jesus. We need to speak boldly based on our belief in him. That's what Peter's doing. The same Peter, just days before, when the Bible says a little girl came up to him and says, hey, you were with Jesus, right? And Peter says, no, I don't even know him. Now he's saying with these guys in front of him that have been named, the, the leaders of the whole Jewish culture, he says, it is Jesus that everything is based on in my life. Peter's speaking boldly about what he believes. Here's the thing, you already do it. You speak boldly about the things you believe in strongly. Last night I went to the Cardinals game. Cardinals are just average right now. They actually have a losing record. They're mediocre at best. Last night, though, when they beat the first place, uh, San Francisco, everybody that was a Cardinal fan left there speaking like, hey, we got, this team's on fire. They're doing things. People are high-fiving. They were speaking boldly about what they saw and the hope they had in their team. If you have a team, you'll speak to anyone about that team. If you're a Suns fan, you're not feeling so strongly this morning. If you're a Milwaukee fan, you're probably all pumped up. You're ready to, to, to talk even more. We, we do it, though, about restaurants. You go to a good restaurant, you speak about that, something that you really like. We, we do it about movies and television shows. Hey, I really enjoy this, and we tell others. You guys do it about your children, about your grandchildren. Things that you believe in, you're going to speak about. It's time to speak about Jesus. If you believe in him, proclaim his name. They were speaking so boldly about Jesus, they, they knew something was different. Look at verse 12. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Peter said, okay, it's about Jesus, and here's why. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They saw, these guys are ordinary, but they, they must, something's different. They've been with Jesus. They were astonished. I'm going to call halftime right now. Uh, this week I got to coach basketball again at FCA camp, so I'm filling in the coach mood. It's halftime in the sermon. I want you guys to evaluate things. You go into halftime, no matter what sport it is, if you have a halftime, you're like, okay, what have we done well? What do we need to prove, improve on? Here's one thing I want you to ask at halftime right now. How amazed are people at your boldness? Ask yourself, when people look at your life, is there any indication that you are speaking or living for Jesus? On a scale of one to 10, how amazed are people at you and your life committed to Jesus? For example, if you are here today with someone you've invited to church maybe years ago and they've been saved and it started with your conversation and, and your uh, sharing your faith and telling them about Jesus, your boldness may be uh, six or seven. If you have uh, people from the past that have been saved and two new people that are with you for the first time, you may be like an eight or nine of boldness. But if people you work with, if people that live by you, maybe your own family don't even know you believe, your boldness for Jesus is probably like a one, if that. 
But most of us are like three, four, five probably. Uh, We know people we're trying to think about how to share our faith with. We may have even prayed for them, but we've never taken the step to say a word. So you're average. But consider this. When they look at you, how do people see your boldness? When they looked at Peter, they're like, he must have been with Jesus. He's, He's so bold. How much can people tell you belong to him? How you live, how you talk, what you say and do. It doesn't always work like this, but it did with Derek. Derek was a welder that lived in Hersher. Some of you know him. They're visiting from Kanky County this morning. Uh, uh, Derek was um, uh, kind of a man's man. He had a big beard like I could never grow if I tried for like five years. His, his bicep was bigger than my thigh. It was just, his presence was amazing. I started to get to know him through playing basketball at the Hersher High School. And we played basketball. We began to kind of bicker about who was better, uh, the U of I or the Indiana Hoosiers. And we, we liked talking about that. So I invited him to play basketball with us at church then on when we were on, on, on nights where we played basketball at church. So we came to that and our relationship grew. But he never really came to church other than play basketball. And then one day I heard this pound on the door. My door was just, it had an outside exit and bang, bang, bang. All of a sudden I, I went to open the door and he came right up to my desk and I sat down. He says, I want what you have. And I, I looked around the room. I said, take it, whatever it is, just take it. You know, I wasn't going to stop this guy. I was alone in the office. And he said, no, I want what you have. It was a lot like boy just testified this morning that he came to this church 30, some, 30 years ago almost, and he realized that his faith was one foot in, one foot out. Derek was different. Both of his feet were out. He goes, I want what you have. I don't know what it is. And I began to tell him about Jesus, and, and that's what's guiding my life. That's where my peace comes from. That's where my confidence comes from. That's where my joy comes from. We had his wife come in. We shared the gospel with both of them, and they were baptized that Sunday. His father... And brother and their extended family started coming to church. It doesn't always work that way, but sometimes people see the boldness of Jesus and how you live and your testimony in him, and they want a piece of that. They, they want what you have, and they're ready to consume it. I wonder how people view you, or they're like, I don't want that at all. You know what really affects people's lives when they look at my life? It's not my speaking ability. It's not uh, what we do or don't do as a family. I think it's back to that first point. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in us in our In our weakest moments, the Holy Spirit still is working. So pray that the Holy Spirit would shine your life. We also see from this testimony, it's that we're spending time with Jesus. Uh, Ask yourself, how much time are you spending with Jesus? I I commend you, you're here today. You're spending time with Jesus as we worship. You spend time with Jesus in his word. The Bible says, uh, the word became flesh. Jesus is the word, and the word is Jesus. So spend time studying, spend time in communion, when we're in communion, we're, we're communing with God and Jesus and one another. Look what happens when we spend time with Jesus. Look at verse 13. And now they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated common men, yet they were still astonished, and they recognized they had been with Jesus. The word here, the Greek word for common or untrained, is where we get our word English for idiot. It's not that, not that gentle of a word. The, these guys, these Jewish leaders are like, these are uncommon kind of idiot people, and yet they're doing amazing things. They must have been with Jesus. Here's one of the things I want you to know. You may identify yourself in a harsh way, and you're thinking, man, I'm, I'm uncommon. There's nothing special about me. You may feel like an idiot at times. I would suggest to you that is the exact type of person that God wants to use because when we step out in faith and we shine for him, 
people like me and you, God receives the glory. God is the one who is magnified. Spend time in God's word uh, around other Christians uh, in prayer and people will see God at work in your life. You've been with Jesus. He's breathed on you. Here's another thing, kind of wrapping this up. Another thing that makes us bold is asking for it in prayer. Pray for God to make you bold. This may be the, the thing that you've never been challenged on before that will make the biggest change immediately. Pray that God would make you bold at being a disciple and making a disciple. When is the last time you prayed for boldness? It is a rhetorical question, but I want you to wrestle with it because for some of you, you know how many times it's been? Zero. When is the last time you prayed that you would be bold for the sake of Jesus Christ and his name? The religious leaders had just threatened Peter and John. And, and they knew that they had the right to even orchestrate not only an imprisonment, but, a, but another crucifixion. And, and Peter and John were faced with this dilemma. Based on these threats, what are we going to do? They could pray for anything. What do you think they prayed for? Oh, they, pray, they surely prayed to keep them safe, right? Oh, God, in light of these threats, keep us safe. Let us continue to be able to worship next Sunday and be able to gather. Keep my family safe. That seems like a logical prayer. But look what they prayed for. This is going to blow your mind. Here's their prayer in verse 29. And now, Lord, this is a prayer. Look upon these threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word, word with boldness. All boldness. While they could have prayed for safety, they prayed for boldness. Oh, the, the second core value of our church right now, right before COVID, the elders and the staff uh, and the deacons got together and we established core values. This is the second core value. The second thing that was on our mind uh, as we looked into the future of the church, we value making bold disciples. The elders and I have a great sense that this church needs to step up in its boldness. Uh, Boyd saw it years ago. Often, he, know, he said, from Daryl and the leaders. Here's our vision that we as a church body would be bold. We value making and empowering bold disciples. You might say, well, do you see something coming that the Christians are going to need to be bold? What would it be? I have no idea, but I am very certain that our boldness for Christ is going to be tested in the next two to ten years like we've never seen. I believe that. Do I know the details? No, I do not. But much like in the New Testament times, I believe we're going to need to take bold stands for our faith. And I pray the church would become more concerned about people being saved for an eternity than simply people being safe. Does that make sense? My prayer is that we as Christians would be more concerned about being people being saved by the blood of Jesus than just people being safe. Because here's one of the temptations right now in the midst of COVID. Oh, just as long as I keep safe, I'll do anything as long as I'm safe. Guys, safety, a part of salvation, means nothing. You're, you can keep your children safe. The government can keep you safe. But if we're not saved, if we're not bold about the sake of Christ, that's really not worth anything. So we need to be in a position, while we pray for safety, we pray more for boldness for the sake of Christ. Now get me here, please hear me on this. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not against praying for safety for our children and our church family. 
But think about this. How often do you pray for safety? Here's a lot of the prayers that, that I grew up with, and I, these are great prayers. Father in heaven, thank you for everything we have. Thank you for our food. Thank you for our house. And please keep us safe. In Jesus' name, amen. You heard of prayers like that growing up quite a bit? Anybody relate to that? I am all for safety. Next time you find yourself or someone praying for safety, do it and then pray twice as much for boldness and see if the world around your family and this church doesn't change. So please pray for safety uh, for your family, for the staff, for the elders, for uh, your spouse. But then when, after you pray for safety, I, I want you to double down and pray twice as much for boldness. And see if God doesn't do something amazing in your life. Because here's the reality. People are going to spend eternity. You're going to live forever somewhere. It's either going to be in heaven or hell. And I love you too much and your friends too much not to be real with you. Heaven is a real place, but so is hell. It's very real. A popular mindset in today's world is that when you die, it's just nothing. And everything is just annihilated. It's just black and it's over. And you can just be in this state of nothingness. That is not true. Hell is real and it lasts forever. And the worst part about it is you're apart from God forever. There is reality and I don't understand the details. We are burned but never consumed. There are worms that eat our flesh but they never die and your flesh never is consumed. There is darkness but the worst part about it is there's no relationship with Jesus there. And while that is true, heaven is also true. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says this, No eyes has seen, no ears heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You can't even imagine how good heaven is. So we need to be sharing others about it. If you want to offend someone, forget to tell them about Jesus. You might be thinking, well, in, re in relationship to death and trusting him, I just, my heart's kind of mixed up about that. She just understood this. In John 14, there's people around him facing death. And here's what he says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this weren't so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And whenever it's ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. That's the best part of heaven, will be with him. And you know the way, the place where I'm going. And then Thomas speaks up and says, Lord, we don't know. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And then Jesus says this, I'm the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We need to be bold about the fact that Jesus is the way. He is the only option, the only way to have our sins dealt with. And we're to speak boldly about that. Remember Derek, the guys whose biceps are bigger than my thighs? His family started coming to church. Mom and dad, brother, extended family there. But his nephew, who was in his early 20s, did not. And we were like, no big deal. Man, he's young. He's still living his life. And their whole family was all in. Both feet, like Boyd was talking about. But his nephew, Brett, was like, yeah, I really don't. He just kind of kept us his arm length. And we thought, well, there's time. We'll just kind of keep being in relationship with him, keep having a positive influence in his life. And then Brett got a diagnosis. He had cancer and he had weeks to live. Weeks. And we didn't really know what to do because you still didn't want to offend him. Like, oh, we're only talking to you now because you're dying? And then by the Holy Spirit to guide him and the prayers of the elders and his family, we began a conversation with Brett one week out of the blue. We didn't know how much time he had. 
And to our surprise, based on what God was doing in his heart, he was ready to hear about the good news of Jesus, the hope of eternal life through him. And Brett asked a few questions, but more than anything, he was like, I want this for my life. And in a matter of just a few days, he also decided to be baptized. And on the, on the day where he came to church to be baptized, he had just enough strength to make it up to the stage to just to declare with his mouth that Jesus is Lord. But he said it boldly, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And I'm a sinner that needs Jesus. And the whole place was brought to emotion. And at this point, he had almost no physical power. But he went behind the stage and on his own strength, but barely, he made it in the baptistry. And he was baptized and he walked out on his own and walked home that week and died. And it was almost too late for Brett. It was almost too late. But praise God, through the guiding of the Holy Spirit and God's grace... He claimed Jesus as a savior and repented and was baptized and was made brand new. I wonder who you know that it's almost too late for. I mean, for someone it is. Who do you know that doesn't know Jesus, that you've not had the courage to step out and say, hey, let me listen to how you're doing. Let me share my story. And I want to share you about Jesus. How many of you know someone that is on borrowed time? Maybe not because of cancer, but because of the world we live in. What if I try and ask a question I can't answer? Remember, Jesus said, don't worry about what you'll say or how you'll say it. The Holy Spirit will help you. What if, what if I offend them? What if they think I'm silly? What if they reject me? I want you to know they are not rejecting you at that point, and it breaks my heart. They're rejecting Jesus, and it's on them, and you can have peace that you have shared Jesus with them and the hope of eternal life. You say, well, I wouldn't know where to start. Start by just telling them about Jesus and inviting them to be with us. You may know a family right now that's not planning on being at VBS this week. This is a great, one of the reasons I love VBS, it's a great simple invitation through children for them to have fun to hear about Jesus. Uh, there are invitations in the back foyer and in the Family Life Center foyer. Pick up one of these invitation cards and just say, hey, I've been thinking about your child and I would love, I think they'd have a great time at VBS and invite them. And then here's the next thing, invite them next week to church because we're going to have a VBS closing program rally and I promise you one thing, they will hear about the hope of Jesus and that trusting him can change everything. It's time to be bold. It starts by realizing we need Jesus to become a disciple. You may be here today and you're at that pivotal point. You've realized, you're honest with yourself, I've never trusted Jesus for salvation. That's where you need to start. Because it's not enough just to know, you've got to trust him. Secondly, there comes a point where you have to confess him as your Lord. And you can say right here, or you can say in a small group, but you, the Bible requires that we confess him before others. If we confess, Jesus says, if you confess me before others, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before others, I will deny you before my Father. Have you done that? As you saw Ryan and Brianna do this morning, I believe that Jesus the Christ is the only living God, and he's my Lord and Savior. If you haven't, you need to, you need to take that step. Something very private you need to do if you've never done this is repent and realize, like Boyd says, I was a problem in my life and I was trying to live one foot in and one foot out and I've got to realize my sin is causing pain. And you repent of that sin and then move towards Christ. Some of you need to do that and that's a personal thing. There's one more thing that there's been some confusion around the church culture across the nation. 
Some of you need to be baptized, not just baptized as a baby through sprinkling. Some of you need to follow Christ's example and Brianna's example and be baptized by immersion because Jesus says in scripture that we would be baptized and he says you would be dunked or plunged. You would share in my death under the water. It would be as if your old self has died and that's what happens. And when you're raised to new life, you share in his resurrection. And we need to follow Jesus the most intimate way we can and that is through immersion. If you've never done that, the baptistry is ready. Would you stand with me? I wonder what step of faith you need to take this morning. We're going to sing one more song, and I'd love to just hear your story. And we'll continue to walk together in the promise of God's story through Jesus. Father in heaven, I thank you for today. Thank you for this challenge to be faithful, to be bold. Lord, there, I believe there's someone here that needs to take each of those steps, at least one person. Through the Holy Spirit, lead us to, to do it according to your will. In Jesus' name. Amen.